Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life, so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel, and ladies, I have a question for you. Are you tired of feeling like you're the one putting in all the effort to make your relationships work? Then go to speakingofpartnership.com right now and click on the big red Tell Me More button and find out how you can get men to do their part. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I am super excited today to bring you our featured guest, Roberta Shaler. Roberta, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ken. It's a pleasure to be here. For anyone who's listening and doesn't know Roberta yet, Roberta Shaler is a PhD. She's known as the Relationship Help Doctor. And she's a relationship consultant, a speaker, and an author. Dr. Shaler offers urgent and ongoing care for couples and companies globally. For over 30 years in both Canada and the United States, Dr. Shaler has calmed the turbulence of troubled relationships. She offers the insights and pattern-breaking skills that lead to blame-free, game-free, non-manipulative relationships. Her book, Kazen for Couples, Smart Steps to Save, Sustain, and Strengthen Your Relationships, was released in 2014, and Escaping the Hijackal Trap, the Definitive Guide to Dealing with Chronically Difficult People ebook series, in 2016. Her specialty is working with the partners, exes, and co-workers of chronically difficult people. Roberta, take a minute and fill in any blanks in that intro and give us a little glimpse into your personal life, if you would. Oh, sure. Let me just say that the name of that book is Kaizen for Couples, Ken. It's a Japanese word, so you wouldn't possibly know it, but it means small, positive, incremental change. So mm-hmm. just so uh, people know, that's Kaizen for Couples. And a little look into my personal life. Well, um, I have a wonderful partner, husband, and I have children and grandchildren, and I enjoy living fully in sunny Southern California. Excellent. Excellent. Well, where I'd like to start, Doctor, is, is actually what I call a guiding principle. And, and what I mean by that is something that keeps you on track in your partnerships, because I found that it's helpful to have that kind of uh, touchstone, if you will. Some people use a quote or a mantra or just a saying or experience. What would you say is your kind of guiding principle and, and how can our listeners apply it in their partnerships? Well, that's a great question, Ken. Uh, my daughter asked me about 20 years ago, just what are you really up to? <laughs> and I, I was feeling poetic that day, so I wrote this. What is important is simple. Know what you value. Invest your time accordingly. This is integrity, and it will bring you peace. And I think that that's an underlying piece that we all need, uh, to know exactly who we are, what's okay with us, what's not okay with us, what we're striving to focus on and keep front and center in our minds, and keep moving towards that and let all the other things pass by. I like that. I really, my favorite part is to let all the other things pass by. <laughs> yeah. And how that applies to partnerships, of course, is that if you're being your best self focused on who you most want to be, that's what you're going to offer to any partner, whether that's your life partner or a business partner, someone you're working with or someone in the community. Uh, 
then you'll know where to place your, your energy as well as your time and you will always feel in alignment and alignment is very very important yeah absolutely would you say a little more about that well yes i think it's important that we know our values and i actually offer my clients an, an exercise that i created called the value shuffle to help them really understand that and then they have to align that with their vision for their life what they want their life to look like and <clears throat> then align it with what they do every day so vision values beliefs and purposes are you living your beliefs the things that you say you believe the things that come out of your mouth or are they just things you like to talk about or wish were true and then what is your what are your purposes right now we may have one overarching purpose in our life but we have various purposes you know to be the best partner we can be to uh, give our gifts to the world, to be an expert in a particular thing. And we need to keep those things in mind. So know your values and live them, um, but also have them aligned so that you have your vision and your values and your beliefs and your purpose all going in the same direction. That's great. Well, I'll tell you, Roberta, one of the things that our listeners have said they really love about the show is the, the personal stories that our guests share. So let's dive into one right now. Um, what I'd like you to do is just take us to a time in your life when, well, maybe you kind of tripped up in a partnership and, and tell us that story. You know, what were you doing? How did you trip up? Or maybe it's what you tripped on. And then kind of expand on what you learned from it and how it's helped you move forward. Well, as you said in the introduction, Ken, my work is all about helping the partners, exes, and co-workers of chronically difficult people. And one of the ways that that happened for me was that I was raised by what I call a hijackal. That's why the name of the upcoming book, Escaping the Hijackal Trap. So just to set the tone for our conversation a little further, I'll define what a hijackal is so we can talk about it. Now, a hijackal is a person who hijacks a relationship for their own purposes while relentlessly scavenging it for power, status, and control. And we, we learn these things in our childhood and in our early, early life. And so people who have lived with a hijackal or been raised by a hijackal will have certain things that are in their subconscious um, that have been placed there before they had language. And so they will kind of operate from them for a very long time. And where I got tripped up, having been raised by a hijackal, um, was that I was dating a guy who, he, he had some wonderful, wonderful aspects to him. And he lived in another country, and I wanted to move there. So I was a little blinded by the, the romance of the moving to another country and all. And so I was not really noticing the red flags. And I write about red flags a lot because this is a long time ago this story happened. But I remember sitting on a bench in a particularly beautiful area in Vancouver, British Columbia. And this fellow started to talk about oh, you know, I can't believe you did this terrible thing. I can't believe you said that. I, you know, and then he started to cry. And it just strummed my heartstrings. And I'm thinking, oh, aren't I awful? Isn't this terrible? I should never do this. I have to take a personal vow to never do this. And then out of my mouth came all of these comforting things about how I should try harder and, and all of this. 
And that relationship went on too long because where the trip up was, was when that red flag came up that he was endeavoring to manipulate me. I didn't see it in the beginning. I didn't see it for a while. It took a while because subconsciously I'd been programmed that all this was familiar to me to have all of these these things that he was doing that were exploitive and manipulative, but also very subtle because hijackals reel you in by being charming and wonderful and giving you all kinds of attention and what you want. But then they have these red flags that go up and I didn't notice. So that was, that was one of the deciding factors in when I was writing the book and everything, I looked back and said, well, where has this been for me? And that one really stood out. So there's somebody, you know, playing on your sympathy, playing on your empathy, playing on the poor me thing uh, that was totally inappropriate. And uh, I fell for it for a while. And I highly advise people to have a good look at the red flags. They, um, they're often not possible to see when you've been raised or, or surrounded by hijackals. That is something to definitely be aware of. I think all of us can relate to that on some level in our life where we've experienced what you call the hijackal for sure. Well, Roberta, let's switch gears a little bit. And what I'd love for you to do is share a story with us of a time when you had what I call a duh moment. You know, one of those times where you're just like, how did I, how have I missed this? How could I have been such a knucklehead for so long? And what I want you to do is take us to that experience, share that story, and then what are the steps you took to turn that kind of wake-up moment into a building block for future relationships? Great question, because it follows directly on what tripped me up. Um, when, when you're set up by your upbringing, and many people will relate to this, Ken, because we're all set up by our upbringing, but if, if you had a very difficult person in your life, and I call them chronically difficult people, they're not just having a bad day or a bad moment, or they're not just an overwhelm or stress for a short period of time. This actually is their personality, and it's quite disordered. And so when you're, you're raised by people like that, all of this behavior that is uh, really dysfunctional seems familiar, seems what you know, and it's ingrained in you. So my duh moment came when I actually woke up and said, wow, how have I been set up? to attract people into my life who are like my mother. And, and <laughs> where is this level of familiarity coming from? I had a very passive father who would have a drink or two at night and get very, very angry because drink gave him the permission to become very, very angry. And then we both, I was an only child, so we both danced around this hijackal mother changing her mind on a dime, finding fault. The thing with a hijackal can is they never have a fault. They are never taking responsibility for what's going on. It is always blame and it's always you who's going to be blamed. So many you know, extreme emotions, lots of yelling, lots of, you know, she was racist, she was angry, she was all kinds of things. So this the, the um, moment when I realized that Wow, here I am. I'm trained as uh, as a psychologist, a professional mediator, and still at 
at the deep level of my life. I've talked about it all. I've talked about the abuse. I've talked about everything. And there was still this setup that was still operant and that I had to just have that moment where I really, <laughs> you are still not responding immediately to the red flags of why I would still easily attract these people and that's what you will do when you've been set up for this so um, to to come out of that to be able to say and in my case it was to write about it a lot and to uh, really in had a lot of clients come to me who had those issues and I got to see it front and center and as that happened I really got the depth to which it had been acceptable to me, this behavior that people had had treated me with. And that was that was uh, other people in my family. I come from a hijackal of families, uh, a family of hijackals rather on my father's side, including my grandparents who raised all the hijackals and produced them. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I really have a lot of fodder to write about looking at these various personalities that we're really creating havoc in the lives of people who really were deserving of love and attention. Wow. That, it's, it's interesting because as you're talking about this and I'm understanding more of, of what that, that type of behavior is, of course, I'm having different, different people that have been in my life where I'm going, oh, that's the right term for them. Oh, that's the right term for them. And yeah. sometimes I was, I was taken in by them and totally duped and, you know, run over and other times I for some reason could see it and chose not to play the game and it was interesting because in those opportunities where I didn't play the game they were dumbfounded uh, yes and then they then they attack you mm -hmm. because there must be something wrong with you can't you see the opportunity can't you see what we can do here don't you see that I can help you you know and they make you wrong again mm -hmm. and and this happens in business frequently and one of the reasons it happens Ken is because hijackals are very good at being entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial within an organization and their hijackal tendencies can be pretty hidden at work because they, they tend to express them mostly in their intimate relationships or close relationships and so when somebody comes to you and I've had that same experience where like you, you, they have this thing there there are two things that hijackals trade in and one of them is ambiguity you can never really nail them down you know because they'll tell you one thing one day they'll tell you the opposite the next mm. you know we see that in a political situation right now sure. we're seeing a huge hijackal on the landscape um, so there's a lot of ambiguity you're never quite sure what they think or want because it will change and the other thing is the incredulity like you're left going really nobody does that really I must be wrong I must be seeing this wrong because that is just so incredibly bad wow. <laughs> so you're left with this incredulous feeling which causes you to second-guess yourself and when you're dealing with a hijackal, you're going to second-guess yourself and question your sanity frequently. And that's one of the ways that you know that you really need to look at those things. Because these behaviors are, are quite rampant. And although 
you know, yes, there are psychological terms for all of these things. The reason I coined the term hijackals is it's not useful for lay people to go around with psychological labels they don't really understand, and they just become superior and dismissive of people. And what we really have to learn is to be in the trenches with these people and make decisions for ourselves, not just label them and write them off. Mm-hmm. So whether it's in business or it's in your home or in your, your family life, Wherever it is, you're likely to meet hijackals. And for some people, you immediately look at them and go, oh, there's no way that I'm going to have anything to do with that person. All my alarm bells are going off. But if you've had a lot of hijackals in your upbringing, it'll seem somewhat normal. And then you'll be deeply hurt because it's a rewounding. Mm. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what I'd love to do right now, Roberta, is actually kind of turn the corner, if you will, and, and and have you share a story with us of one of your proudest partnership moments. And this could be, you know, romantic, family, career, whatever area it shows up in. And one of the things that I've noticed when, when I recognize something as being one of those proud moments in partnership, it's something that when I think of it, I just can't help but smile. What's one of those for you? Well, I will share with you, you know, the relationship that I have with my current husband, partner, life partner, whatever the the term for your significant other is that appeals to your listeners. Um, we have a, a relationship that is one of, one of the things that kept me going through the relationships that were were not so good was the belief that it was possible to actually have a partnership that was completely mutual. And in Kaizen for Couples, I wrote about these six relation steps that are essential, and one of them is mutuality. That we, we as well as animals and all, one of the foundational things that we have in our makeup is the law of reciprocity. You know, when, when you smile at a baby, the baby smiles back at you. When you pet the dog, the dog loves you. There's an automatic reciprocity. And <clears throat> mutuality is more than that because we are thinking human beings. How uh, It's not just being reciprocal, but it's being there to want to be supportive, to understand what your partner wants, why they want it, and be willing to talk about anything. And I remember one day... Um, my guy said to me, I said to him, I said, I want to talk about something. It's a bit difficult, so when would be a good time? And he looked at me and he said, there is never a good time. The good time is when it comes up, so let's just sit down and talk about it. And so what what is so exciting for me in this relationship, which has now been 11 and a half years, is it took a long time to find, but I always believed it was possible. And I actually met him on uh, online. And I was just about to leave because I was going on a big project. And he said what attracted him in my profile was I had said, I want a world-class relationship and I won't settle for less. And so don't apply if you're not willing to apply yourself to the relationship. And so I ended up with this phenomenal relationship with this wonderful man who is always interesting because he's brilliant. He's always interested in me because he loves me. And he's willing to work through anything. 
And we have a very exciting intellectual life because we stimulate each other enormously in that area. So we wrote a book together in 2007 called Soul Solitude, taking time for our souls to catch up. But what I have learned from being in this relationship is what true mutuality and true partnership is all about. And we've been through some incredible things where my friends have said to me, oh, why don't you just quit? Why don't you give up? This is ridiculous. You shouldn't have to put up with that. And what it did, it, it allowed me to grow into the values that I have, the vision that I had for what was possible in a relationship, the beliefs that I had that all this was possible, and to live my spiritual beliefs within this. And to really understand that I can now describe this to people, to know what is there that they can move towards, that they can build together, and that it's systematic as well as wonderfully spontaneous, that when you know that it is the most important thing to you is how your partner is feeling about how he's being today, or how he's responding to life or to people in his life, and that you don't quit because you just feel such amazing love. I mean, I, I was telling him the other day that I still look at him after all this time and my heart just wells up, you know, like, oh, I can't believe how much I love this person. And it's something that you build by going through the difficult times. I often tell my clients when they come in, especially young couples, they'll come in and say, well, it's not what I thought it would be. And my friends, you know, are telling me that I shouldn't have to put up with this stuff. And it, it, it always is a, a moment when I say, oh, well, I think that what you're having is a hokey pokey relationship. <laughs> and they look at me and they say, what do you mean? And I wrote about that in Kaizen for Couples. I said, when you were getting ready to, to uh, marry, as they did in this case, I mean, I'm, I don't care if they marry or they live together for their lifetime. I'm not hung up on that. But when you commit to somebody, you commit is not is you know not something that you do one day and you don't the, the next. You have to be all in. And People, I said, probably told you, you know, well, try it, but you can always get a divorce. And that's a hokey-pokey relationship. You put yourself in, you put yourself out, and that's what it's all about, right? You're not, you haven't got one foot in and the other foot in. You've got one foot in and one foot out, and that's what it's all about. And it becomes this barter and this threat situation where, well, if you don't do what I want, I'll leave. Or if you're going to be like that, I'm out of here. And that's not movement towards your partner. But most people haven't had the models or the skills to know how to move toward their partner. I certainly didn't. I mean, I'm an only child in a hijackal family. So fortunately, you know, I figured things out for myself quite early that I wanted to be different than them. And I was and am. But as I was saying earlier, it took a long, long time for me to realize at the deeper and deeper levels that you have to peel away those those areas and have a deep, dark look at what's under there because of the results you're creating in your life. So the, the really exciting thing right now is to have this absolutely amazing man in my life. That's fantastic. And, you know, one of the things that, that you said there that, that kind of struck me is when you said, you know, you have 
say a client come in and you know they're saying they're having these difficulties and their friends are like you don't need to put up with that and that phrase always strikes me because it's 100% true you don't need to put up with it because you either need to act on it or get out of there it's not a matter of oh sit here and be unhappy it's do something and recognize that you can own what's important to you what are those values what are those things that matter to you that you need and be able to ask for them. And when you talked about what you had put in your uh, online profile, saying that you were looking for a world-class relationship, to me, that's one of the, the most important things for people to do is really declare what they're looking for. And so often we're convinced that if we say that up front, it'll scare them away. And we'll tell them later once they really are in love with me. But the reality is they're not going to get a chance to fall in love with you because you're holding off who you are. Absolutely true. And, you know, I've, I've helped a lot of people write better profiles because it has to be a good balance between who you are and what you're looking for and saying things that will appeal to that person. But what people do is they're so desperate, they have these great generalities, sort of, y'all come because <laughs> I'm looking for someone. And they're not clear about uh whom they want to attract and what's okay with them. Like in my in my husband's profile, he wrote this, which I, you know, he, he found me, so I didn't read his profile first. But when I read it, I went, oh, if I'd read this, I would have thought it was wonderful. And he wrote these lines. He said, um, too, too deep for many, too intense for most. Well, first of all, he writes very poetically, so that was wildly attractive. But secondarily, I want someone who's deep and intense. Mm -hmm. And if he hadn't said that, I would not have had that moment, that aha moment of knowing him even before we really knew each other. And that's what you want to put out there is let somebody know who you are. It's like in business, Kim. If you don't have a niche market, you know, if instead of saying, I work with the partners, exes, and co-workers of chronically difficult people, if I said, well, I help relationships get better, what are the chances that I'm going to find the people who are uh, living and working with hijackals? I'm not. Well, the same thing that's going to happen in your online profile, if you put out generalities, you know, I like sunsets and margaritas, um, you're going to get all the people in the world who like those things, but do they have anything to say? Do they have any depth to them? Did they share their beliefs with you? Did they uh, share their goals? And so you know which direction you might be going? No, they're just trying to attract somebody. Well, that's not a great use of your time or energy or of your spirit for that matter to go through finding person after person who is not a good fit for you. So it's, it's very important to know who you are so that when you are endeavoring to attract someone, you can ask for what you need and want. Yes, that is so true. So absolutely true. Well, Roberta, we've actually arrived at a part of the show I call Bring It All Home. And this is where we step away from the stories and we switch to providing some very simple, concrete guidance for our listeners so, so they can improve their partnerships right now. And what I'd love to start with is what would you say is the best partnership or relationship advice you've ever received? 
Well, that's an easy one for me, Kim. If you came to my consulting rooms here in large 12-inch gold script on my consulting room wall is what I say is the most important thing I can teach anyone. And so what that is and what it says is the truth is what you do. Those four words can transform your life and your relationships because we're so good at talking about what we wish we were, what we plan to be, what we want. But don't listen to the words. Watch the behaviors because our behaviors are our beliefs. And anybody can talk up a good storm. And in particular, hijackles are very good at the words. But watch the behaviors. The behaviors tell the story. So the uh, best relationship advice I can give anybody is be in alignment with yourself and come clean so that your values, vision, beliefs, and purpose are in alignment. And then live by the truth is what I do. And that will change an enormous amount of um, interactions that could go on too long or could be inappropriate for you. And you could be giving the wrong picture to the world of who you really are because you haven't done the in-depth work to make sure that your behavior aligns with what you say you value. Yeah, I, I really like that. It's so simple and yet so powerful. I've always said this for years and years and years, which is basically what you were saying of, you know, watch what they do, not what they say. And it's true for all of us, but it's so easy to be taken in by the words, especially if that's what we want to be true. Then we'll kind of, you know, close one eye and, and put our hand over the other one and go, I don't see any of the other stuff. You yeah, know, red flags are hard to see when you have your eyes closed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this then. And we've we've talked about your book a little bit, but I'd like to know outside of your book, what's another resource? Maybe it's a book, maybe it's something else that you would recommend to our listeners and why that particular one? Oh, my goodness. I was going to use my book as an example. And the reason I would use Kaizen for Couples as an example is because it has in it everything that I do that I've worked with couples in the last 30 years. So, uh, you know, I certainly appreciate that book. And quite frankly, I, another book does not come leaping to mind except books that are similar to Escaping the Hijackle Trap. Um, <clears throat> be sure that if, if you're living with someone who's really keeping you either at arm's length or keeping you confused or feeling betrayed or feeling caught or stuck, be sure to go to some literature um, that will help you understand that people behave in patterns that are recognizable once you see them. So if you are having difficulty, I don't want to really give a book title in that genre, Ken, because I don't want to suggest to anybody that's what's going on with them. but. You know, if, if, you, if you read um, Stop Walking on Eggshells, for instance, if, if you are having that feeling like you're always walking on eggshells, then definitely read that book, Stop Walking on Eggshells by Randy Krieger. It, it's important to, and that's why I'm writing Escaping the Hijackle Trap, and it's an ebook series, as you said, Ken, because there are so many aspects. 
first of all, you have to know what a hijackal is, then it has to become familiar to you and you have to look within to find that. But then there are all the practical things. How do you live with a hijackal? How do you leave a hijackal? What happens in court? Uh, that's a whole area. One of the things that I have as an, as an ultimate goal for all my work is that I really am a voice for the children who are living with hijackals. Hmm. because that has to be found. So if you're having some some issues that you believe are ongoing and consistent, get some help from a book like Stop Walking on Eggshells to see that there is a pattern and that once you see that pattern, you will never not see it again. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And, and for those of you listening, just so you know, um, there will be links to all of these publications, Roberta's books, as well as the, the Stop Walking on Eggshells book, so that you can catch those really easily. I know a lot of you are out doing activities right now. You're not in a place to write something down. So simply go to speakingofpartnership.com, put Roberta's name in the search window, and you'll be able to see all the resources there. There'll be links at the bottom of the show pages. Um, so what I'd love to, to leave our, our listeners with today, Roberta, is what I call an example of the payoff of partnership. In other words, a specific example of something you were able to create or do or experience that is really the result of being in partnership and wouldn't have happened without it. Well, I'll give you two, Ken. First of all, just to briefly touch again on the fact that eventually my husband and I wrote a book, right? Well, I wouldn't have been able to write that book without him. <laughs> so there was a definite payoff of partnership in which we went deeply into who we are and were able to write Soul Solitude. But the other is the payoff of finding your tribe. Um, finding a group of people with you who have similar values that you resonate with. And if you're a business person, these people will collaborate with you rather than compete. And that's something important in partnership. You don't have a partnership if your partner is competing with you, whether that's at home or in business. And so finding your tribe, and you have to search for them. They don't just pop up. And don't try and morph yourself into a tribe that that does not warm your heart and invite you in. But the payoff of partnership is to, like, I, I belong to this group that we're all fairly successful entrepreneurs. That's one of the things you have to be in order to belong. But just to create some level of mutuality and, and equality in the group and reciprocity. But they just have your back no matter what. You need something, you ask. You want to promote something, they promote it. You're in the question about something, you can go to them. We all need a tribe, and it's very seldom going to be your family. You need to step out there and find that group of people who have the same values, vision, beliefs, and purpose that you do, or the people who are doing business in the same way that you want to. You know, I don't want anyone to ever feel that they need to take a shower after experiencing my marketing techniques. <laughs> and I, I don't appreciate people who make me feel that way, like, oh, you know, that was awful. So find your tribe and create partnership with them. And that's the gift that keeps on giving. But don't try to morph yourself into some group just because you think you should. Um, make sure that they resonate with you. You know, it's it's funny that you said, you know, about feeling like you have to wash yourself off. Um, I have a friend of mine that, that has said this, and I've heard it many other places, is, you know, really be careful of the word should. Because when you 
keep going. I should do this. You're, you're just shitting all over yourself. That's right. And I wrote about that extensively in Kaizen for Couples because that's what partners do. Our parents have told us what we should do, what, who we should be, you know, what the right thing is. And we taking the word should out of our vocabulary is a very, very important step to take because it will stop us from shoulding on other people, but it will also stop us from doing it to ourselves. And there are limitless possibilities. So there, there isn't really a should. Just don't kill anybody. If we have one should in the world, don't be violent. <laughs> it's pretty clear to me. I, I'm sure it is to our listeners too. You have a lot of information to help people with when they're dealing with you know difficult people, like you mentioned. Could you let us know just how our listeners can contact you and learn more about what you do, Roberta? Sure. Uh, there are two ways. First of all, if anything that I've said about hijackals, aka chronically difficult people, resonates with you, go to hijackals.com and. Uh, you just put in your email address there. You'll get an immediate free report called How to Spot a Hijackal. But it also includes blog updates, my YouTube channel, where everybody can go. My YouTube channel is for relationship help. And um, it also gives you access to a secret Facebook group where you can ask your questions. If you're not ready to work with me directly, you can ask your questions. And, and there's community being built over there. The second place that I invite you to go for more general information is forrelationshiphelp.com. And there you'll just find so many resources and all my blog posts, all that kind of thing, and how to, how to work with me directly. I do offer it for people who are ready to work, not people who are just saying, well, I've got a problem and I want to talk to somebody right this minute. But they recognize that they are ready to do the work. I offer a free half-hour consultation, and you can see that at um, forrelationshiphelp.com slash free dash consult. And I'd be happy to talk with anybody if this resonates with them. Roberta, I just want to thank you uh, for everything you've provided today. What you've shared with us is certainly, it's, it's stirred my mind up. I'm thinking about different things, and I certainly am going to explore this hijackal idea because, uh, like I said, different places and people were showing up in my mind as you described it. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us today on the show. Oh, you're so welcome, Ken. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. I release a brand new episode every Monday through Friday, so make sure you don't miss a single show. Go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher and iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else, either in person or on the web. Have a great day, and remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.